0: The Denver Planning, Planning Request, this recommendations to the mayor and Denver City Council on rezoning requests, district design standards and other land use rules. This meeting of the Denver Planning Board begins now. Recording in like progress. To call
1: to order the September 20th meeting of the Denver Planning Board. I'll start with a roll call. I'm um, just going down the line. Right, here. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a long night already. Very cognitive, sorry. Melissa <laughs> well, Media. Here. Uh, Gosha Khan. Here. Heidi uh, Majerek. Here. And Sarah Rivers. <laughs> and I'm Kathy Fonder, and I am also here. Uh, we will go ahead and start off with public comments. Uh, planning board reserves time at the beginning of every meeting. Oh, and I did just want to quickly recognize two additional members of our board, Claude harton and Angel Crowder are also um, So at the beginning of every meeting, we do reserve time for public comments on any item that does not have a hearing or is kind of on regular agenda. So this is a time for anyone in the public to let us know something you think planning board should know. Uh, We will not be responding or entering into a dialogue about it because it is not on our publicly noticed agenda, Uh, but if you are here to give comment on something you would like Planning more to know about, not otherwise on the agenda, please raise your hand in the room or online and you will have three minutes. Um, All right, with that, we will go ahead and move on. we will take up our meeting records for approval, and we actually have two meeting records. We have August 15th, 2023, or sorry, August 16th, 2023, and September 6th, 2023, and I'll take those up individually because we have different members present at different uh, meetings. Um, so unless there are changes to the August 16th agenda, I will take a motion from someone in attendance, and then I'll call roll. the group was there. I move to approve the meeting record for August 16th, 2023. Second. Great. Thank you. Um, and all those in favor, are Fred? Aye. Mary? Aye. Melissa? Aye. Sarah? Aye. Gosha? Uh, Aye. Heidi? Hi. Great. Thank you so much. And then moving on to uh, meeting records for Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. Uh, were there any changes to these records go ahead fred yeah well,
2: one one change to the amended piece that was brought forward it, it, the last of it board member fred glick was elected to serve another year as vice chair just concerning which likes um yeah, good okay.
1: is there a second with that modification
3: right uh, i'm sorry a
1: first a motion a modification i move to approve the meeting record for september 6th twenty twenty-three. thank you and a second okay thanks kusha all right, uh, Fred? Aye. Mary? Aye. Angel? Aye. Melissa? Aye. Sarah? Aye. Goja? Aye. And Claude? Aye. Great. Thank you so very much. Um, so, looking at our agenda today, we do have our next item up is an information item. Um, if uh, I know uh, Councilman Watson is here, if you don't mind, really quickly, we'll take up our consent agenda uh, just so that we can release all of the staff that are all hanging out for us um, quickly, and then we'll come right back to it. Um, So with that, uh, and I would ask, uh, before we jump into consent or our other agenda, are there any planning board members that have any items for disclosure or recusal on today's agenda? Great. Um, No recusals today. Um, All right. So with that, I will take us to our consent agenda. Um, The following items have been placed on the consent agenda because they meet the criteria in Exhibit 2 of our bylaws. That includes appearing to clearly meet the criteria, having no known significant controversy, and having no members of the public here to testify to those items. Uh, So I will list the three uh, items. We have an official MAP amendment, application 2023I00030 rezoning at 3216 North High Street, from PUD number 595 to USUA1. Uh, The second item is official MAP amendment application 2023I00049 rezoning 1021 North Monroe Street from USUB to USUB1, and the third item is the official map amendment application 2023I00057 rezoning 1021 South Poker Street from South SSUD to E2C. With that, I will open the floor to any members of the board that want to pull an item off consent. Um, or members of the public, if you are here to testify, either online or in person, to please raise your hand and indicate so. Now, anybody online? Okay, wonderful. Um, so with that, uh, we can vote on these in a block. Um, so I would request uh, a motion and a second uh, for those consent agenda items. Okay, move to approve the consent agenda. Second. Great, thank you. And with that, I'll do a roll call vote. Fred? Mary? Aye. Melissa? Aye. Claude? Aye. Anjal? Aye. Boshan? Aye. Aye. Sarah? Aye. And I vote aye as well. Great, thank you. Thank you all. (laughs) Um, With that, we will move on to information item, which is the proposed rezoning of 200 border rights. And I think we're starting off with a presentation from Edson. Um, I know Councilman Watson is here as well to speak, so I'm not sure how you guys plan that out. (laughs)
4: ahead, folks to the
1: podium. Yeah,
4: thank you so much. Uh good afternoon. I have to say uh, this week it's been an interesting week for council. We're deep in budget hearings, and so this is uh, uh, believe it or not, is a pleasure um um
1: um uh,
4: dalliance to me coming over here. and we have about
0: budget.
4: <laughs> you do uh, budget is important. This is, this is great. I want to say I'm not on planning board, but I was ready and willing to second uh, Fred Glick's uh, many vices. And so um, he wanted to add his vice uh, president as a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> city Council joke Humor. Uh, my name is Darrell Watson. I'm a uh, city council member representing uh, City Council District 9. It's my honor and pleasure to be, for, be before um, uh, the planning board. Uh, council member pro tem uh, Sandoval and I are sponsors of this proposed uh, rezoning. Uh, we initiated this rezoning under the charter process. Uh, we chose this process given that this urgency with the mayor's, not really even the mayor's, but the city's emergency declaration on homelessness calling for long-term solutions. The proposed rezoning would allow for more flexibility to convert the building to fully supportive housing, um, without having to be included as part of a residential care facility, which is where the current zoning, um, resides. Adoptive plan guidance in Blueprint Denver and Globeville Neighborhood Plan calls for maintaining industrial uses in this area. Um, strategies and comp plan and hosts a five-year strategic plan that I had a, a, a role to play as the former chair of the housing board um, recommend adaptive reuse of hotels for supportive housing. The criteria used to evaluate rezonings, including uh, addressing a community need such as supportive housing for people experiencing homelessness. The proposal will help address an urgent community need uh, by facilitating the conversion of a hotel to supportive housing on this site. Uh, We believe this meets the zoning criteria. I am here to answer any questions that the amazing Edson Davines cannot um, answer in his presentation. I thank you for this opportunity.
1: Thank you, Councilman. I think uh, we'll have Edson get this presentation um, and then we can kind of open it up for questions from the board. Because this is an information item, I, uh, we won't be taking public testimony on it, but uh that will open it up to the board.
2: I just need to share your screen there. Oops! see. I think
5: Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Etony Bañez um, with CPD. And just before you today, we have the Renewal Village rezoning located at 200 West Warner Place. This information item. So we'll just quickly go through the request uh, as well as go through location context process, three criteria, and just kind of wrap up with some next steps of where this uh, application is. So, the property is highlighted in red. Um, like I meant, like Council Member mentioned, it was initiated by the Council Members Watson and Sandoval under the Council Powers provision in the Charter. So, the Council Members have two options uh, when dealing with the rezoning. They can either go through the standard rezoning process or take up the charter. So, in this instance, the Council Members are, are going through the charter process, and I'll dive into kind of the requirements later in this presentation. And the repose is to go from an IAU02 to an IMX. Uh, UO2, which is a light industrial zone district um, to an industrial mixed use up to three stories. Um, And currently the property uh, was the former Clarion Hotel, but right now it has been purchased by Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. um, And they recently got a permit for doing residential care type four on the property. So Rezoning from an IA to an IMX-3, you two would allow the same use. It's permitted under both zone districts, uh, but the IMX-3 would not only introduce, um, not only allow like industrial and commercial uses like the IA, but introduce residential. And so in that um, the residential would be supportive housing. So. The Denver Zoning Code does not define uh, supportive housing; it just treats it as multi-unit residential, and so in this instance, they would be allowed to do supportive housing. And so, the property itself is just over two hundred thousand square feet, uh, and just looking at the location, located in Council District Nine, in the Globe Hill neighborhood, um, and the zoning, as you can see, it is the light IA light industrial. To the west, we have the IB, um, and directly across Interstate Twenty Five there to the east you see some IMX3, which is that industrial mixed use up to three stories. Uh, but the IA is a light industrial district. Like I mentioned, it allows for many industrial and commercial uses. It does not allow for multi-unit residential. It's governed by a floor area ratio. And the UO2 is a billboard use, use overlay. There is not a billboard on site, but it just allows, allows it there. And there's no, uh, they're not removing the overlay. So with that, Uh, Under the assessors, the property itself is classified as commercial retail hotel. Um, Directly to the west is office, but everything in purple is classified as industrial. As as you can see, it's a nine-story structure uh, with the purposes of being used for the short-term residential care and long-term supportive housing. And so going through the process, like I mentioned, here's a process for the charter um, rezoning process, which starts with an ordinance request that was submitted on um, last Friday, and it's scheduled to go before the Land Use Transportation Infrastructure Committee. Then there's Mayor Council meeting, there's a formal bill filing, and they'll go for City Council first reading and then City Council final public hearing. Um, And now going through the criteria, there's five review criteria that have to be met uh, for any rezoning. Um, The first one is consistent with adopted plans, but the uniqueness of this case is that it's mainly looking at community need and so a proposed official map amendment is consistent with the city's adopted plan, or the proposed rezoning is necessary to provide a land, provide land for a community need that was not anticipated at the time of the adoption of the city plans. And so in this instance, what's being highlighted is the mayor's emergency declaration, which specifically calls for affordable housing solutions that would lead to supportive housing, as well as expedite hotel pipelines to bring more options. Uh, and then in general, asking for a safe and affordable and vibrant Denver, Denver for every residence. And so the, the emergency declaration specifically targets homelessness. Um, so with that, we also want to acknowledge that this plan has four specific plans that fall under here, which are comprehensive plan 2040, Blueprint Denver um, of 2019, the Global Neighborhood Plan, which is a, a, a small area plan, and then host five-year strategic plan. So diving into comprehensive plan, there's several strategies that align with this rezoning, which uh, under the strong and authentic neighborhood, uh, support the stewardship and reuse of existing buildings under equitable and affordable and inclusive, expand investments in housing options and services for people experiencing homelessness, um, as well as partner with organizations to develop permanent and transitional housing affordable to very low-income populations, and ensure that the city's regulations enable a range of flexible housing options to meet the needs of those experiencing or transitioning out of homelessness. And then, under the environmental resilient, prioritize the reuse of existing buildings and explore incentives to salvage or reuse materials. Um, uh, we also want to highlight within Blueprint Denver this area is classified as special district. Now, in these contexts, um, they're specifically designed for a purpose such as educational campuses civic centers and manufacturing areas. So this area falls under a manufacturing area. And so the manufacturing district plays a major role in the city's economy by providing a space for innovative business to grow and expand. And then when we look at more specifically the um, place type, it's classified as heavy production. So heavy production allows for like construction related activities, major warehouse and storage facilities, and they're mainly found on large parcels and multiple parcels. Uh, but residential uses uh, are not compatible. And then uh, 48th Avenue is an industrial collector, which are mainly made up of uh, manufacturing uses, but other uses can apply. Um, and then Warner Street is a local street, Warner Place, sorry. So did wanted to highlight, the city identified eight manufacturing preservation areas. And so it falls under one of those eight uh, where we want to maintain industrial uh, so the site itself is not industrial because it's a commercial um, uh, hotel so it's not industrial in nature but we do want to highlight that this area that we want to preserve industrial and down uh, uh, with that there's like conflicting plan guidance in this area but we're mainly leaning on the community need. Uh, for the growth area, for this area is classified as all other areas in the city where we anticipate to see 20% of new housing growth and 10% of new employment growth. And then there are some applicable strategies within uh, Blueprint Denver under the Land Use and Built Form, such as Housing Policy One, ensure city code and land use regulations support modern and equitable approaches to housing options for those people experiencing homelessness or people in need of supportive housing, as well as um, Housing Policy Six, increase the development of affordable housing. Uh, When we look at the uh, Small Area Plan, the Global Neighborhood Plan, it identifies the area as industrial with a height recommendation up to three stories. Uh, And then specifically, there is a recommendation under uh, B14D that talks about build more housing units. So support the efforts of affordable housing providers in building new homes in Globeville. So pursue opportunities for, for adaptive reuse of existing buildings as an affordable housing strategy within the neighborhood. And then when we look at the five years, host uh, five year strategic plan, there is specific goals such as goal one, expand access to affordable housing opportunities. So like pursuing strategic acquisitions, of hotels, um, into affordable housing, as well as go Two: expand pathways to successful rehousing, which explore innovative opportunities and financing models to bring additional housing, including hotel acquisitions uh, for supportive housing. Um, when it comes to the other criterias, uh, the proposed rezoning of IMX3 will result in a uniform application of zone district building form use and design regulations, and under furthering public health, safety, and welfare, um, it aligns with the long-term vision of the emergency declaration for supportive housing, and it also supports Comprehensive Plan 2040 and Blueprint Denver um, host year strategic plan on um, specifically asking for hotel acquisitions and local Hotel conversions for supportive housing. Mm-hmm. Um, for justifying circumstances, change and changing conditions on the city wide is uh, used for the mayor's emergency declaration on homelessness. And then, lastly, um, you can see with neighbor context zone district purpose and intent statements. So, the IMX3 zone district is intended to accommodate a different industrial, commercial, civic, and residential uses that would encourage affordable housing. And then it serves as a transition from I 8 and I B zone districts um so just next steps this is going to be presented to the land use transportation infrastructure committee on tuesday of next week uh, it is scheduled for city council first reading on october 9th and it will be published on the daily journal on the 10th of october it's scheduled for city council public hearing the 10th and the 30th um, and uh, most recently just wanted to highlight the most recent um charter rezoning that came um that was adopted this year was the park hill golf course um that used kind of the same process um, and then lastly i just wanted to highlight uh, both Councilmember sandoval and watson um, because they're using more of a expedited process they did have a community meeting last week in globeville just kind of introducing the rezoning to the community um, and so during that meeting there wasn't really any questions on zoning or the rezoning process but it was more on uh Communication with the operator, Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. It was more of like how can members of the community have access to services and potentially housing at this this site, as well as um continual communication between the GES coalition and the community with the operator. And so that's some of the conversation the operator is having. And um but uh if you have any questions on that, we can highlight that as well, but we just wanted to highlight that. With that, we wanted to open up to, to any questions um, direct to me. We also have hosts online, the CCH uh, Colorado Coalition for the Homeless is online as well to answer any questions. The staff is here to answer any questions as well.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Hudson. I may just table set with a quick question and then I'll go to FAD. Um, so I think you kind of touched on it there at the end, but I just want to make sure for the public and for those here. Um, The charter process um, was chosen and does not include a public hearing before planning board, really, for the purpose of kind of expediting this rezoning so that it can kind of be used um, for this housing more quickly. Is that a correct summary? Is kind of the reasoning behind that approach?
5: Yeah, given the urgency of the mayor's declaration, uh, that's one of the rationales. And also, like, in order for like colorado coalition to pursue funding for supportive housing that has to be in place and so um, that's another reason that's the long-term vision of um colorado Coalition to have to make the site completely supportive housing thanks yes.
1: um and i i do appreciate kind of still coming as an information item to make sure we're in the loop on it uh, and gives another opportunity for the kind of the public to hear a presentation much like the other meetings. so
6: okay Heidi go ahead thank you yeah. that was a great question that was one of mine so thank you um Edson so I was looking at the building and it appears like it's nine stories yes and if we send the IMX3 does that set this building up to be a non-confirming
5: use it would be a compliant structure and so it could still operate and just like it doesn't mean like a lot of the built to requirements and then the IMX3 would be if for some reason the structure gets demolished they can build up to three stories
6: okay so it doesn't that I would assume that the reason um, IMX 12 wasn't looked at was for exactly that reason for the future in case this building were not go away, that it would go back to an industrial use this. there's okay I see a lot of head nodding so correct yeah, we, we did
5: analyze that and then we looked at the possibility of like consistency with the small area plan which falls for three stories right. here
6: okay I just wanted to check and make sure we're not setting this building up for some kind of not
0: compliant use and, and create problems so thanks for your yeah. answer um thank you guys for bringing this thank you for expediting um I had a similar question Caitlin uh, as I recall with the uh, Park Hill Golf course, we did have a public hearing. um and so you said this was the same process is is that? Um, that again. we did have a public hearing with the Park, park Hill uh, golf course rezoning.
4: I can respond to that real quick. so just just to clarify there there was a public hearing. Uh, at planning board, at both planning board and city council for the original rezoning of Park Hill Golf Course to the new uh, mixed use and commercial and residential zone districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, later, uh, after the outcome of the voter referendum, the uh, uh, council former council member Herndon then used the charter process to rezone it back to the OSB zone oh. district. Uh, and in that case, it only had a hearing at city council.
0: Got it got it thank you for clarifying the the process a couple of questions not totally related to our area but we're here um i I heard you had the meeting in globeville the community input outreach are there any other plans to inform and engage community um, beyond that i know we're on a fast track but are there additional plans to engage community surrounding communities
5: about the rezoning or just in general? In general,
0: about the use, uh reuse.
5: reuse.
0: Um, I assume that's what the first meeting was about.
5: Yeah, the first meeting was specifically charged, specifically focused on the rezoning. I know that uh, the applicant, we can maybe ask the applicant what kind of efforts they're doing just to continue conversations they're having with the community outside of the, our process, but I know we're just scheduled for Ludi and then City Council for this specifically. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, that's not part of your team. No, that's not part of the team. So I, I, maybe Kathy, I'm not sure if you want to answer or, um, yeah. And I, 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 she's
0: maybe.
7: Can you hear me now?
0: Oh,
7: Hi,
1: Kathy. Yes, we can. Go ahead.
7: Hi, everyone. Uh, Thanks for um, meeting today on this. And yes, so we when we initially applied for um, the zoning, we did community meetings to inform uh, uh, the residents and businesses nearby. Um, I think we had about a dozen folks show up at our community meeting for that. We've stayed in touch with them. Um, Because of the public town hall event that was held last week, we did make contact with a number of folks in the room and have Um, stated that we do have an intention to continue the conversations with them, especially the GES coalition, um, because they want to make sure that this is, you know, fully integrated into the community and that we're good neighbors on both sides. Um, So I do anticipate we'll um, continue to have those conversations. I also want to mention that this is a project that um, is not going to be coming online immediately, right? We've got some time um, before we're going to be able to make it available to residents. And so we, you know, we know that the process right now is being expedited so that we can put it into use more quickly for what we assume we do best uh which is uh supportive housing long-term housing um but uh we still have to do renovations um to the property in order to uh make it available to folks so we've got some time to continue these conversations
0: yeah thank you kathy i i ask in part because um this is a uh, very responsive to that um, emergency declaration it can be precedent setting and hopefully it is for other um, districts that can follow this and um, hopefully it's a smooth sort of uh, process so that it's easy to follow so um, the community engagement I would imagine would be this pretty sticky point for a lot of communities. That's why i
1: asked and kathy just really quickly for the record you're the colorado coalition for the homeless correct
7: yes yeah, sorry, no, sorry i didn't introduce myself fully i'm uh the chief communications and public policy officer for the colorado coalition for the homeless thanks thanks kathy
1: I'll judge you have anything else no okay. good anyone else um, i had just one other that i wanted to make sure i understood it said uh, so in the presentation the first criteria was really plan, consistency with plans, but also this community need component. And so I guess I want to make sure I understand from staff's perspective, if you feel like it actually needs both or are you leaning on the community need more because I sort of saw kind of inconsistent plan guidance, right? You have some plans that talk about the need for housing and the need for adaptive reuse, but certainly other components of plans that talked about this area really being preserved for manufacturing. And so, and maybe that's where the IMX3 comes in, but I'm just wondering if you can kind of speak to that.
5: Yeah, great question. Uh, So staff, we're we're mainly focusing on community need, but we also wanna at least acknowledge that there is conflicting plant guidance. And so uh, the big thing that we wrestled is we don't wanna open the door for any market rate developer to come in and try to purchase some of these areas in these areas that we wanna preserve as uh, manufacturing preservation areas. And so, because of the community need, we feel like that's an adequate justification to to advocate, like, hey, there's an urgent need for supportive housing, and, and including the mayor's declaration that we can move in that direction. And then, more importantly, we just want to acknowledge that there is conflicting plan guidance, and there's, you know, comp- comprehensive plan and the host five-year strategic plan specifically does call for hotel acquisition or, or adaptive reuse for affordable housing, supportive housing. So that's kind of where the conflict lies. So we want to at least present that so the community is aware that there's lifting plan guidance here, but we're mainly leaning on community need for this area. Thank you.
0: Yeah, go Yeah, uh, yeah to follow to that, so the rezoning essentially is just to allow housing, correct? Yeah. And so I think, you know, because it could be precedent setting, it is innovative, but also the plan doesn't recommend people could live there. So it makes me a little nervous if we're recommending, you know, unhoused to now live in this area that we're not recommending anyone else to live in. Um, So I'm just curious if you guys had any conversations around that.
5: Uh, I know that host has had a lot of conversations around that just because given the unique nature of the youth supportive housing has a lot of wraparound services. So I know that there's been concerns about the specific location and access to transportation and other needs, but some of those wraparound services are, something that, you know, the operator and host has specifically dive into. So um, Jill, if you want to kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of the analysis that host has made for these locations and uh, some of the wraparound services as well, as well.
8: Hi, this is Jill Liss with the Department of Housing Stability, and I'm actually just sitting in for Sabrina Ali. She had a family appointment she had to attend today. I'm wondering if um, Colorado Coalition for the Homeless might be able to answer this question better. I'm sorry, I just don't have all the background information on that specific question.
7: Hi everyone, it's Kathy Alderman again with CCH. Um, I'm I heard the second part of the question, and maybe not the first part about what um, the context of wraparound services that we might provide or what that would look like. Um, so originally we were going to provide residential care and supportive housing on this site. Um, residential care would have been more of um, not exactly 24-hour seven, but a higher level of acuity for folks staying with us and needing more clinical care. But our traditional um, kind of package of wraparound services includes case management services, housing navigation, um, employment services, and then we do provide healthcare um, on-site or transportation to healthcare that we can't provide. Um, We also provide Uh, mental health uh, supports, uh, substance use treatment, um, if that's necessary, really all of the services that are necessary to keep someone stably housed, especially for someone who has just recently exited the cycle of homelessness um, and may may not have lived inside um, for quite some time. We provide the services to make sure that they um, know what's available in their neighborhood. They know where um, they can access transportation. They know where they can get um, access to potential employment opportunities. We help them with benefits, we help them um, you know obtain uh, all of the things that they're eligible for um, that will help keep them the house. And sometimes that includes taking them um, somewhere to get clothing and uh, furniture for their for their unit. These units will come fully furnished, as this is a current hotel, um, but we will certainly have to replace items over time. And then if somebody wants to repeat the first part of the question, I'm happy to try to answer that.
1: There. Do you feel like
0: that was answered? Or... Yeah, I think that was answered. I was just curious kind of conversations that were had about, you know, why it was different than what's being shown on the land use map in terms of proposing residential units there. So I think it that satisfies my question, because if you're seeing it as, you know, additional services are being provided to accommodate, you know, this kind of difficult location is how I see it. Now. So anyways, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks. Any other questions? For the yeah, yeah. I actually want
1: to follow
8: that line. I have two questions mm-hmm. on that. Kind of based on what you're saying about how it's being justified. Um, one, we have talked about this with another one that came up, but putting affordable housing in that case, supportive housing in this case in an area where two sides are blocked by highways um, and particularly in a place that is not recommended for residential, which PSH like is longer term. Um, just sort of, Flagging again, and would love to hear more about the conversation and the thinking from planning potentially proposed on the decision making around putting places there um, and concentrating affordable housing and supportive housing in areas where we know there is poor air quality when there is less access to transportation, when you are blocked on two sides, because um, this is now the second one at this. I-25 and I-70 that's come through in the last year. Um, So that, and then relatedly to Sarah's point, you're showing us a proposal where it clearly doesn't align with plan guidance and the justification is the level of community need. However, on almost every single other project community need is so far below um, plan guidance in terms of how we make these decisions. So why in this one is community need trumping all of these other things that stop us from putting other things forward or requiring other things on other projects? Like why why this one? I guess is my question. Because that like what you said in terms of justification is so contrary to every other conversation we have about how we're allowed to make these
5: decisions. Yeah. This, that's a great conversation. That's a great question because we. this is something we've wrestled with as staff in general. We've had multiple conversations with DITO, um, uh, HOST, CPD, um, and different departments around this issue of like what's equitable and uh, what makes uh, this scenario so unique, given we have this conflict of industrial manufacturing areas where we don't want to see residential, but then there's this community need and uh you know just kind of stepping back and going back to the emergency declaration it's like we've just seen a growing increase of homelessness and that's kind of been the main struggle within different departments here is saying what what's trumping what given that you know we have an increase of number of homeless every year and it just got into a situation that's getting out of control and so the mayor seeing this opportunity of like how can we start moving forward so with host um we felt like this was an appropriate location, given it just opens the room just a little bit, just for permanent supportive housing scenarios and not for anything other than, you know, market rate or just any type of multifamily to come in that has some of these wraparound services. Because we did look at the possibility of like, is there a grocery store nearby? No, there's not. Is there transportation services? Yeah, the the A-line is about half a mile away from this location. But it still is not an adequate location because it runs at a 60 mile headway so we did analyze several different scenarios for this but we believe that um, uh, you know looking at homelessness more specifically and providing housing for individuals that desperately need it was the community need to move us forward but this is uh i would say it's really hard to wrap around and just kind of explain it but this is a very difficult to explain i'm not sure if, Liz, you want to share more you know anyone else? Andrew. Oh, well, hold on. Do
1: you, do you want to? You're good. OK. <laughs> um, so then I saw Mary's hand up. You wanted to follow. Up. Yeah, I just wanted to follow.
8: And like, if, whoever this should go to. I've, it is not that I'm opposed to this particular project, necessarily. Like, we're not even voting on it. I know it's like not you're in the unfortunate place of having to answer for this but I just want to push on. I understand the like need that we're in and the emergency declaration, but when we're on, when we're making these decisions, usually everything has to fall perfectly in line. And especially when it does like, you know, plan guidance says this, the documents say this, um, but we know that there's this community risk or there's concern about, community health and safety, and that is never enough of a justification for us to say no or to vote no on a project, even when we know what the actual impact is going to be. And so it is tough to then have a a proposal come that doesn't align with plan guidance, but that community need and that community health and safety is the reason that it's going through when it's also not enough reason for us to vote no. So realize that's not your decision, but I just I can't get past that with this one. And I know that we have talked about changing the criteria as a longer form conversation. I don't know where we are there, but like this, this is a very clear issue to me.
9: Mary. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate this conversation. Um, and I apologize that I haven't been following the the process of the emergency declaration more closely. Um, I, in support of it as a whole and like figuring out which opportunities we can get people into a a more stable situation as quickly as possible i think is a great thing to do no matter where that is what i'm curious about and i don't know if if you have the answer to this or if you do um what is the the off-ramp or the transition plan to a better solution is this you know that we're permanently going to allow PSH housing in places that are undesirable for anyone else and recreate a skid row type approach to our most vulnerable citizens? Or is this a stopgap solution that we're planning on doing for a year or two years as we look for um, housing options that are more integrated within the
5: community? That's a great question. Um, I might have to be the best to answer that. I know just, just to give some reference, um, all these conversations have um, led us to a new industrial study that we'll be conducting just to see if we should be updating our manufacturing preservation boundaries. And so with that, we'd be looking more specifically because this this site is specifically at the corner. And so we're looking at, should we be updating our boundaries at what specific locations? Because this site, even though it's an industrial area, it's not industrial use. Uh, and so that's something we did analyze as well. But... Um, I know these a lot of these questions are directed at hosts Uh and some of the long-term things that they'll be doing, I know consistent with their five-year strategic plan, but not sure.
4: And I'll I'll share very quickly, Mary. And thank you so much for the question. Um the the answer to that question uh goes to the mayor's uh, priorities uh post um housing one thousand, that's what the administration is calling um, the emergency order. The idea, sorry, Daryl Watson, city council member for district nine. But the idea for this first step. this is not part of housing 1000 but the idea for all of the housing 1000 for any of the housing options are long the spectrum that the 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 initiative is putting forward is for there to be a second step for folks to move from supportive housing to actual housing um that is something that we have been clear uh clear with uh from city council's perspective with communicating with the mayor that there has to be a second step um beyond a supportive housing we are not wanting to concentrate poverty in any of our districts and, and absolutely not in district nine. And so we are looking at that within our budgeting priorities for a 2025 budget already. We're beginning those discussions right now. So this property uh, was purchased by uh, Colorado coalition for the homeless. It's not owned by the city. It's not part of the mayor's housing 1000 initial plan, which is to house a thousand folks by December 31st. Um, but Colorado coalitions for the homeless. And I think, uh, Kathy can speak uh, a little bit more detail as to what their long-term plans were for this site, but for the city and county of Denver, and as the district nine council member, my focus is to move folks from supportive housing um, with the wraparound care that they have to actual housing, um, to actually move through um, the the plan that the five-year plan for department housing stability has detailed um, and, and targeting folks not in places where there's industrial use or that there is um, air quality issues, but actually into housing. Um, and we're going to be working directly with, with hosts to make sure we're we're providing budget for that, and accountability within their five-year plan that has a very clear step-by-step of how we're moving folks. But Colorado Coalition for the Homeless Committee provide some additional information as to what their long-term process for this hotel, which is really not part of uh, the Mayor's Housing 1000 plan.
9: That's helpful. And um, I certainly appreciate the work that the coalition is doing. Um, And I know that land opportunities are few and far between. But I think it's just a general frustration that they are so few and far between. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I just want to, it's less of a question and more of an expression of a hope. Um, First of all, I'm not sure if I agree totally that. This doesn't meet any of the criteria. Um, I don't think that that building is, it, it's not um, zoned currently for industrial use. So I don't think we lose that purpose. Um, and I think for an emergency situation, you do need some new solutions. This spot, while not ideal between I 70, I 25, whatever, is better than being on the street. Um, so I think yes, putting a facility, uh permanent supportive housing facility here is good. Putting multiple and creating a skid row scenario is not good. And so what I hope will happen is that we apply these same criteria to other communities, that we do get informational um, you know, if, if it is going to be a change of a charter, you get the info. Um, And it's not sort of wiped away by communities that don't want to see it happen or districts that don't want to see it happen. And that we give this same uh, process a go um, to distribute these other communities have spaces that may not be ideal, but are better than being on the street. Um, And so that they don't just get a pass because community stepped up and said, no, we don't want to hear it. Let's do the same thing if possible. Um, and let's get the same info, the same transparency, and um, let's treat every community like they need to address the emergency as well. That's my my hope.
1: All right. Thank you all for a great discussion. Councilman, thank you for being here. Um, and Edson, thanks for the presentation. And like I said, we do, I, I really appreciated this coming as an info item. I know that you don't have to. So we appreciate it. Um, uh, and good luck at the City Council public hearing. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> um, great. Okay, with that, um, we've already uh, moved and approved our consent agenda. So we really, uh, and I would just note, we do have two items uh, previously listed on the regular agenda because of noticing images. um With both of them, they will be rescheduled to a later date. Um, and so those those two hearings will not be taking place tonight. Uh, we are with that one item left. This is our information item from Denver Parks and Recreation rezoning uh, update, and I think this is Fran is going to give the presentation. Good to see you.
3: About that. Good afternoon, members of the planning board. My name is Dan Peña Fiel, and I'm a planner with Planning Services. And um, this case should be easier than the one before. So, um, today I'm going to show you a proposal. Um, this is a brief presentation about the legislative rezoning request for 22 park properties uh, to be rezoned to open space OSA zone district. So let's start with the proposal. It's a request that came from the Executive Director of Community Planning and Development on behalf of Planned Parks and Recreation to rezone 22 properties to open space zone district. Rezoning these properties to OSA will bring them into an appropriate zone district to allow them to be preserved for parks and recreation purposes and to be developed and improved as park open space recreation and park maintaining uses. The OSA district is intended to protect and preserve public parks that are owned, operated, or leased by the city for park purposes. Now let's take a quick look at the location and context of these parks. So as you can see here, they're kind of like all over the place. We have nine council districts, we have 15 statistical neighborhoods. And here you can see this is a list of the name of the parks and what are they currently zoned to. Um, So we have 22 parks. I think that 10 of them currently have um, former Chapter 59 zoning. So they have either old BUDs or CMU 30, CMU 20. So they were left behind kind of when we rezoned in 2010. And then uh, the rest are mostly OSB or OSC. So it's privately owned or conservation um, open space. And we have a few that are actually residential and mixed-used. So it's a little bit of everything, as you can see. Now, quickly, let's take a look at the process. So informational notice of this application went out on August 20th. Today, we're in the info item, and we're planning on bring, bringing this back on October 18th for a full assessment. And I'm not going to ruin the surprise, so I'm not going through a review criteria today. Um, and then we're planning on to get it to City Council in December 11th. So with that, we have Owen Wells here in case you have some questions. Uh, this is mostly a cleanup. We want to make sure that all these properties that are, again, like currently... Um, in case you have the question like how come they're not osa in the first place like it's parks is constantly uh purchasing yeah. land uh buying new properties and so they they happen to be in a residential area they happen to have uh, a residential district so we're trying to clean up and put them in the correct uh designation of osa yeah I don't know. and i have i actually have uh images of all the math- all the parks if you want to go through like the 22 I have uh, aerial images that I've hidden slides. So if you're like really curious to see them, I can show you, uh, but it's 22 slide, extra slides. So up
6: to you. Yeah, I can geek though, on that on yeah. my own. Absolutely. It's
3: going to be all part of the stuff report, of course. Like in the stuff report, we have every property, what's the current Sony, what's the land use for each one. We have like, it's a very long staff report that you're going to enjoy. So. <laughs> <laughs> so,
6: Fran, with with some of these, you said it's because of recent acquisition of the of the city, and I saw one on there in particular that is probably just an oversight. It's a, a DPS Parks joint project that probably just was oversight, didn't get zoned correctly in the first place. um But, and, Andrew, have we done one of these before? This uh, I'm feeling like deja vu that we've done this type of correction of virtual before This isn't the first time we've seen, is it? I'm
4: not aware of, of us having gone through and rezoned multiple parks before all at once. Uh, so some of these have actually right. been kind of on the list for many years, so. Okay, is the
6: question I'm getting at, at is, clean up one? No yeah, my question is, Will we do this again? Does this get all of them? No. And is there any? No. Uh,
2: okay. there's, all there's, more there's, there's more, There's more coming. Comments, <laughs> but yeah, but we're trying to. Uh, sorry. Yes. Well, <laughs> oh, well, the person, right? Um We probably have about sixty properties that just are legacy of just they've never been addressed historically. Now uh, we're trying to clean these up. We also want to be efficient with the volunteer board's time and our council agendas, so we're trying to kind of bundle them into. Groups that we can reasonably put together the application. Actually, well, this is, I hope, straightforward. It does take quite a bit of legwork, like writing up on legal descriptions, getting all this together. So, I don't expect to bring another one to you soon, but we do eventually want to get the map cleaned up because, as bizarre as it sounds, like the code actually says that parks aren't permitted uses in these districts. So, we would like our parks to just sit in the code district they're supposed to. Uh, it's going to take us a little time, but we'll come back with another bundle. It's not going to be This year. (laughs) Again, I want to be sort of judicious in how much we do this.
6: Oh, thank you. So I'm assuming we have a comprehensive look at every single park in our system. We have that full list of everything that needs to be rezoned, and you're going through it in these bites and chunks in a way that makes sense. Is that a correct?
2: Yes, we do now. We didn't, I will tell you that we didn't before. So this was a little bit of a homework. It it just um, came up that we have properties that we need to develop and realize, oh, they're sitting in like a weird legacy zone district, and in some place, in some cases, that might inhibit our ability to deliver the park that the community has expressly designed. Uh, right. So we want to avoid that. So this bundle has a couple of park projects that are in our queue to get done soon but to go into construction. That's why they're in this bundle. We have other bundle where there's nothing happening in the foreseeable future. That's why it's sort of less of a priority. We'll get there when we we'll get there
6: well it's fantastic that we've gotten to this point where we can be really diligent about the You're cleanup right. on that and then my final question is um but we could down the road as a city purchase more properties that we would need to then come we
2: are going to purchase more properties that will
6: then create so a third are. bundle and a fourth bundle oh it's going to going but now point. we have an internal process by which to stay ahead of it
2: correct? um it's a great question this is cleaning up his historic, but like this is a good question I'm look, I would be happy to talk to folks about the best way to do this administratively going forward. Right. We're going to this year. We've got three more co- properties under contract. City Council appropriates that money to do it. They sign the contract. I would love a way that we could sort of think of an administrative solution so that when you, you know, when new properties are coming through, we can just kind of do it right at that time. It's not how the process is set up, so we'll have to, again, just sort of be judicious, bundle them when we know, all right, we've got them. We we have a construction project a couple years out. I just don't want to get in a point where we don't have the right zoning and we're about to try to put a shovel in the ground. Today. So
6: Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you're thinking about how to get us a internal process by which we acquire the rezone and we assure we stay up with them. So yeah. thanks, thanks for your efforts and your desires to move the city
3: that way. Sure. One last thing I wanted to add before your question. Uh, One of the biggest reasons why we brought the info item is because we were getting a lot of miscommunication. People assumed that we were rezoning out of parks. So we got some letters of opposition, so, or or, or more questions, that that letters of opposition. So it's like, to clarify that this is like, these are already parks, these are being used as parks for their uh, empty lots, vacant lots, that we are just rezoning into OSA. And I think that's important to get out into the,
6: into the public discourse, um, that in addition, you know, some of those zone districts that I saw up there, you want to get them out of that because they're not protected right now. So those CMUs with 20 waivers could be redeveloped as used by right now. Granted, they're in public ownership, but that is a risk to the general public that the city is uh,
2: alleviating. I'll start with one quick question, and then I have one comment or suggestion, but the question first, I am curious to just get a little bit of an understanding of the parcels that are currently OSC, which is a conservation district, and are moving into OSA. Does that reflect a change in the goals for those properties or... Honestly, I don't know what what the historic okay. legacy of those are. I can tell you right now, City of Carmel Park and Takayama Park are traditional parks. Like they're they're not conservation districts. That's not native landscape. They're our sister city parks. They have the normal suite of traditional park amenities. So it's just, uh, yeah, I. Told me they've just been missing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Left to there's, no, yeah, seen the yeah there's a lot of. Weird history, which you can just see by the list of of, all over. So, yeah, well, I mean, at least some of the, I mean, Takayama is that's an old park, isn't it? I mean,
7: yeah, so that wouldn't
2: be that that would be of this zoning probably because that predates 2010.